Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuckers Bryant. That makes us Stuff You Should Know. And the heavy index finger of uh, Matt Frederick. Yeah. Did you hear that? Oh, yeah. It was like a, an anvil coming down on something. <laughs> Nobody pushes record like Maddie. One of my friends has um, finger tips, just finger tips that look very much like big toes all across. And um, it, they're big. He has big, huge fingertips is, is what you would So like the finger is just narrow and then it balloons up at the end? <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Freakishly so. He'd be a good bass player, I would think. Maybe so. I'll ask him. He should do that. Uh, Chuck... Do you remember we have talked about capturing energy, mm-hmm. right? Because energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It can only be captured. Yeah, we talked about several ways to do this. Yes. Uh, well, one of the ways we talked about um, was by putting basically what amount to wind turbines underwater. And there was a... There did was, we talk about that already? We did, underwater oh, okay. turbines. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. We did, right? I think so. It's hard to tell these days. Well, if we didn't, that's good. Because we're going to cover that again in this podcast. I think we did because we talked about verdant technology. Did we? And they they were the ones who put some in the Hudson, didn't we? East River, yeah, sure. Okay. So um, they put some in in 2006. It was, you know, to to wide acclaim. This is a huge project. They were going to just power large parts of New York with this technology. And they went back to check on them, and they found that – all but two of their wind turbines were just completely in shambles. Yeah. It's one of the great challenges in underwater energy production. Bingo. <laughs> I have updates on them. We'll get to that later, though. Okay. Luckily for us, right, because the, the ocean and, well, bodies of water are this huge untapped resource, well, mostly untapped resource of energy. Yeah. There are other ways to capture energy from the ocean, right? Which is what we're going to talk about today. Let's do it. And let's start with the French, because apparently they've long known. Dude, they're all over it. Yeah. we like All of the major innovations that we're pursuing right now came from the French over the last couple centuries, right? Who knew? Yeah. Take uh, it, Chuck. Well, we should just uh, mention the history. In, in uh, 1799, a long time ago, a Franchi and his son... Who I could not find their names. I couldn't either, but they had a pretty cool idea. They attached a big lever to the side of their boat, mm-hmm. and when the ocean moved up and down, the lever moved up and down, which could potentially power uh, pumps and saws and things like that. Right, and that's capturing the mechanical energy of wave motion. Yeah, we'll makes talk about very that good in sense. A second. But uh, unfortunately, well, or maybe fortunately, the steam engine came along, <laughs> right? And kind of rendered that. <laughs> unfortunately for him. <laughs> His idea was rendered moot, <laughs> right. but thanks to the rest of us, because steam energy turned out to be a pretty uh, cool thing, the steam engine did. Yes. Uh, about 100 years after that, another Frenchman used uh, heat energy from the ocean to generate uh, power, but it was not very cost-effective, so that died as right. well. Yes. And then uh, 1966, there was finally some success, once again in France. In Bretagne. Uh, yeah, and the, on the Rance River. Yeah. And uh, it still operates today and is actually, from what I can tell, the the biggest success, right? That's Yeah, it, and it's, it, because it's actually generating electricity. Quite a bit, 240 megawatts, which is uh, 
about that's better than a, a wind farm. And that's yeah, a typical wind not farm. quite as good as a coal fired power plant, but um, it, it is better than a typical wind farm. And um, it is far and away, I think, the most successful uh, ocean energy um, outfit running right now, right? Yeah, well, that's on a river, though. Is it a, a tidal river? A tidal river, yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's capturing the energy of the tide. There's also, you can you can capture the energy of the heat differential, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you can capture the me- mechanical en- energy, right? With waves. There's three waves. Three, at least. Yeah, that we, yeah, exactly. Right? Because there's also the um, the currents, underwater turbines, it's four. I mean, the, the ocean oh, yeah, is just lousy is four, right. with ways to... Capture energy, right? It's awesome. Let's talk about waves. This one's my favorite because there's so much to it, right? There's mechanical energy that can be captured, kinetic energy that yeah. can be converted into uh, useful mechanical energy. Basically, what you do is you want to pow- somehow power a turbine or a piston to create uh, electricity from a generator, right? Yeah, and waves uh, move thanks to the wind create big crests and troughs, mm-hmm. and at one point someone looked at those and said, hey, that's pretty consistent. I yes. bet we could capture that. Right. Um, it is very consistent. It's very predictable, right? Oh, yeah. Um, waves are found all over the place, so they actually can bring energy from other parts of the globe to you. To you. Top of the muffin, <laughs> to you. Uh, and um, let's talk about how a wave comes up. Did you read this? No. Because you're the expert. You're the wave expert. All right. So waves are the result of a transfer of solar energy to the water, to the oceans. Okay. Okay. So did you know that wind is really just a creation of solar energy, solar radiation, solar heat? And that uh, ends up driving the wave? Yes, but it's interesting how it Oh, yeah. No, I know. Sure. Okay. All right. It starts with the sun. It does. It does start with the sun, Chuck. Thanks for that segue. Um, The (laughs) sun does not heat the earth evenly, right? Right. So there's different pockets of air, surface air, uh-huh. that are heated uh, more quickly than others. Okay. They rise. Yeah. Okay. And as they rise, the colder air rushes in. And the movement of the colder air to fill in the space left f- by the warmer air, uh-huh. that's wind. Okay. That's wind. That's awesome. Okay. So when this, when this water, when the ocean is pushed by wind mm-hmm. enough... Long enough, hard enough, fast enough for far enough distances, waves pick up, right? Right. And that that gives even more traction to the wind, so the waves just get bigger and bigger. That's why a good storm will produce bigger waves. Right. But what you have is kinetic energy pushing the water into waves. Yeah. And that kinetic energy becomes stored in the wave, right? Right. So the wave isn't a bunch of moving water. The water actually, as this kinetic energy rolls over it, it acts as a conveyor belt. Right. So it... It moves in a circular motion and delivers this big, dense amount of kinetic energy to you to capture if you have a wave converter uh, handy. <laughs> exactly. Dude, very nice explanation. Was it? Yeah. Thanks, man. I think so. Uh, it's been a little while since I got one right. Shall we talk about tides now? Yes. Much to the sh- chagrin of Bill O'Reilly, we do know what causes tides. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned <laughs> Did you that. see that? Yeah. Bill O'Reilly didn't know. The pull of the moon, the gravitational force of the moon, yeah. is what creates tides. He didn't. What's crazy it. is that the atheist was like, "Well, we don't know," but still, I know he's a little flustered. I, I can. Understand, he was flustered, but, but he I'm had sure. a real opportunity to be like <laughs> everybody that saw that was on the edge of their seat, saying, "Say it, the moon!" And the guy was like, "Uh, yeah, well, 
Unfortunately, no one stepped in there to correct him. Right. I haven't heard a response from him either. I'm curious. Who, Bill O'Reilly? Yeah. I don't think he's going to come out and address it at this point. He already looked dumb enough. He didn't care. Okay. So uh, for those of you who don't know what you're talking about, quickly, Bill O'Reilly was interviewing the head of the Atheists of America and said he explains God by the fact that no one can explain what causes tides. The tides go out, tides come in every day. And we can't explain it. And no one knows why, I think is what he said. <laughs> so anyway, it is in fact caused by the gravitational pull of the moon, Mr. O'Reilly. And uh, the cool thing about tides is they're everywhere all along the coast. <laughs> they All coastal areas experience two high tides and two low tides every day. Yeah. And uh, they're pretty much on the button. Uh, the unfortunate thing is there's only about 40 places around the earth where you can generate electricity from this because the difference between high and low tide has to be at least 16 feet, and that doesn't happen everywhere. So there's like 40 sites around the world that are suitable? 40 sites in the Bay of Fundy, I don't think we mentioned yet, that is where they're actually doing this, and uh, it's it's a great place. Yeah, it's um, a narrow inlet, and it has the highest tides in the world, uh, 50 feet in a very short uh, cycle, so in six hours they can produce 110 billion tons of seawater flow in and out. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. So you that's why... you or me. Yeah. And they're they're actually generating power there at Fundy. But what's crazy is that, that one we talked about in Britain, France, um, 240 megawatts, the Bay of Fundy with that enormous transfer of seawater yeah. in and out still only generates a 20 megawatt um, power. Yeah. 20 megawatts of power. A 20 one. megawatt power. <laughs> Just one. So one way they can do this, Josh, is with, uh, like, rivers, with a dam. Right. They can build a tidal dam. Right. Essentially. And it operates kind of in the same way. Which is how, buddy? Oh, do we, I didn't know if we need to explain that. Uh, gates open up. It's called a, a barrage, or is it a barrage or barrage? Barrage. Barrage. And the tides, uh, when there's an adequate difference in the level of water on the opposite side of the dam... Uh, the the gate opens and allows water to flow in across the turbine, spins the turbine, creates uh, electricity via generator. Right. So anytime you're talking about wave action or the movement of water, uh, there's going to be some sort of turbine or piston involved. Yeah. Because that's all you need. You just got to turn something. It, and it's going to generate electricity. That's so awesome. It is. It still blows it? me away that that's possible. Yeah. But it's so simple, too. Yeah. We just have to figure out how to do it more efficiently, and right. then you know we'll be able to come up with this nice grab bag of energy providers. That's right. Yeah. Uh, ocean tides, Josh, uh, into tidal currents is another way. Yeah. What are tidal currents? Well, tidal currents are well, what bring in the tides are the currents that are created by the tides coming in and out, right? Yeah. The problem with the tidal currents is that they're not constant. Like you said, they happen twice a day. In and out each twice a day, right? Yeah, too high, too low. So you got four tidal currents if you're set up to um, generate power as it's going in and out. Well, how would you do that, though? Underwater turbines. It's basically like a, a wind underwater wind farm. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Like 66-foot propellers underwater. Yeah. Spinning. But that's what they put. Was it the East River? That's what they put yeah. in New York. Yeah. They had these in there. Still do. Yeah, well, at least two. Well, more than that. We'll get to that. Okay. It's it's paying off, finally. So, Chuck, that's that's electrical. As as we said, electrical, there's going to be some sort of turbine or piston that is moved up and down by the, the either the 
Well, the movement of water. Yeah. Whether it's waves, currents, tides, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then there's also um, thermal energy, right? Big time. You want the stat? Yeah. The ocean, uh, the sun provides the equivalent of 250 billion barrels of oil per day. Yeah. In the ocean. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot more than The ocean than just we sits use. out there and collects all this heat from the ocean. I think in the unit, in the U.S. we use 21 million barrels of oil a day. And this is 250 billion. Yeah. Now the problem is, is like, that's across the entire ocean. That's across 70% of the Earth's surface. Well, yeah, sure. We we don't yeah, know how to that. do that. We're still working with photovoltaic cells. Like, how does this work? Right. How do we make this happen? So that's that's as much as we could ever possibly capture, right? Yeah. But still, even if we get a significant portion of that and can convert it into energy, well, we're on easy street. OTEC, explain. Uh, OTEC is ocean thermal energy conversion, right? Yeah, that's how they do it. And there's a couple of ways to do it. There's a closed system, there's an open system, and there's a hybrid system, which is open and closed system mixed together. Yeah. So with a closed system, um, you, you usually you take some sort of low boiling point liquid, like ammonia, yeah, which has a boiling point of like negative uh, 28 degrees. Yeah, Fahrenheit. Right. Which I don't understand how Windex works then. That's something I think we need to look up. <laughs> how Windex works? Yeah. has ammonia in it, right? How uh, is it yes. kept liquid? I don't know. Because I can tell you my the, the area under my sink is warmer than negative 28 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, yeah. I mean, but there's bottles of ammonia, too. Just right. Just plain ammonia. Right. <laughs> I guess Bill O'Reilly was right, Chuck. <laughs> um, so in a, close, in a closed system, you take ammonia, um, you expose it to... Seawater, warmer seawater, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and it immediately vaporizes into gas. Yeah. As that gas expands, it pushes a turbine. There's another turbine, right? Yeah, Which just like a steam engine would. Powers a generator. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, gas is moved into uh, another chamber where it encounters cold seawater and converts back into liquid and is pumped back into the original chamber again. See, I love systems like this where it's just a loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff becomes... Vapor, then it goes back to what it was, then it becomes vapor again. Right. It seems real efficient. Closed system, right? Yes. Yes. And then there's the open system, right? Yeah, and that's uh, a little bit of a different principle. It's warm surface water, uh, but they use a vacuum chamber. They remove all the air, and because of magic, when you do this, the seawater boils. (laughs) Is that insane clown posse? I think so. So it actually boils, and that produces steam, like pure water steam, and then uh, that can drive the turbine. And then just like with the ammonia, you pump cold seawater back in, cools the steam, changes it back into water. Right. And back again. Back again. The cool part about this is you, they can create fresh water as sort of a byproduct, but, which yeah. is awesome. That's huge. Yeah, desalination is – they've had a lot of trouble doing that successfully in a large scale, right? Right. Um, we talked about that in manufacturing water yeah. and some of the other ones. Um but yeah, if you if you create the steam out of the seawater, they found that it's almost pure water, pure fresh water, mm-hmm. no salt, and you can drink that. Yeah. So yeah, they're trying to figure out how to use open cycle systems and the hybrid system, which, like I say, combines closed and open systems. Mm-hmm. Um, but both the hybrid and the open create fresh water. Right. And I think they figured out that a single two megawatt OTEC plant either open or hybrid, could produce 4,300 cubic meters of desalinated water every day. Wow. 
Which is that I can't drink that much. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. You can drink that much coffee. I do. <laughs> which is why I spill it. Uh, right now, unfortunately, OTEC systems aren't producing a lot of electricity, but they think that the potential there is pretty great. So they're... People are investing in that at this point. Yeah, that seems to be the one that's attracting the most uh, investment dollars right now. Yeah. I wonder why. Uh, what do you mean? Like, why, why people are going that way? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's the most efficient, cost-effective way at this point. Who knows? I think it's actually the most expensive, to tell you the truth. Oh, really? That yeah. mean it's not the most efficient. Uh, it may be. That's true. But it's it's the most expensive, I think. Well, right now what's going on is there's a lot of research and development happening mm-hmm. in all these fields because they think the ocean is really where it's at. Right. Uh, we talked about Verdant <laughs> Power. Um, here's a little update on their system. They are in phase three right now. Uh, they, Like you said, they had some problems in the demonstration phase because marine environments are pretty rough on everything. Just ask anyone who like lives on the beach with a car. Some fish is like, I'm swimming here. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that. It is controversial. Uh, I think we talked about it before. But yeah, that's true. Uh, in the demonstration period, though, they did uh, produce a free flow system. They produced elect. Uh, they called it excellent hydrodynamic, mechanical, and electrical performance. Grid connected power with no quality problems. Huh. Fully bi-directional, continuous, unattended operation. So they don't even have some dude down there. <laughs> right? <laughs> I wonder how much that job would pay. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, in the end, they produce 70 megawatt hours of energy to uh, two end users. And um, right now they applied for a permit, basically, in just a couple of months, or last month in December, they applied for a permit to make it real. And they're waiting on... <laughs> All of that was just fiction. They just wrote that story down. They're like, now let's make this real. Investors? Right. Well, they want to do it, you know in earnest and not just demonstrate. And they think they're at that point now. So they're waiting on, I think right now they're waiting on New York City to say, take over the East River or this portion of it and do it. So two megawatts? Uh, 70 megawatt hours of energy. To two families. To two end users. I don't think they were families. I think they were probably power plants or something. Oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Are you sure? No, I'm not. Because end user could also be like some guy with a hot plate. And he's like, hey, I'm, my yeah. hot plate's working just fine. True. Huh. Uh, the UK is is who is leading tidal turbine research right now, though. So hats off to you. Is it the UK? UK? I thought um, no, Portugal this, has something. something well, no, they, they they're all dabbling in it, Spain and Portugal. But the UK is currently ahead of the game in uh, in this kind of stuff so far. Wow. Well, yeah, Not hats off for sure. And yeah, they took the the mantle from the French and ran with it, right? The yeah. French are like, come back. <laughs> it's two accents for me to zero for you today. I know that's a switch. So uh, why is this good? Why are we doing this? What are the environmental advantages? Well, one of the things we said was the um, with wave energy, right? Uh-huh. I didn't give you a stat that's going to blow your mind. Let's hear it. Wave energy alone, mm-hmm. right? The kinetic energy found in the motion on the ocean, uh-huh. right? <laughs> could, 0.02% of that, right, uh-huh. could power the, the entire planet. 0.02? I'm sorry, 0.2%. Of the energy in okay. ocean waves could power the entire, but still, it's wow. pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Point two. Not two point anything, point two. So what you're saying is we just need to be able to harness a very tiny percentage. Yes, plus also the good, th- the good thing about waves, which is why I throw my weight behind it, is uh, compared to a wind farm, right, mm-hmm. um, you've got three times the density 
right? Oh yeah. So conceivably, moving at about the same rate as a, as you know, wind mm-hmm. five knots or something like that, right. you would have three times the amount of energy capable of being captured and transferred into usable electricity. Yeah, it says a current, a water current, ocean current running five miles an hour can turn a tidal turbine thirty revolutions per minute, and that is very much more than the wind. Well, just and don't forget, I mean, we're talking about turbines that are propellers that are sixty feet across each. Yeah, I mean that's a lot. Yes, thirty times a minute. It's like almost once every few seconds. <laughs> uh, they also run silent and run deep. So uh, a lot of people complain about the noise of uh, wind farms, the buzzing, the buzzing, the constant buzzing. The aerodynamic <laughs> noise. And, you know, they're underwater, so you don't see it as but much. But the funny thing is, is that's such a like a human-centric way of looking at it. Like, oh, it doesn't make any noise because we're above water. Right. <laughs> Who cares about what it sounds <laughs> yeah. like below water? Surely placing these things in the ocean are going to have like a huge impact, right? Well, and that's the downside. Might as well get to that. You, okay. can't, you can't just throw these things in the ocean and have no impact on marine life. Yeah. It's going to kill some fish. Definitely. Disrupt some... some uh, Spawning patterns. Well, take like an OTEC system, right? A closed OTEC system. If, say, it's battered about by a particularly bad typhoon, that closed system may not be closed any longer, and you've got a massive ammonia spill in a local area in the ocean. Yeah. And, yeah, that's going to kill some fish. Yeah. Right? Um, same with any grease that you might need to keep a piston Moving yeah, properly, sure. There's just there's a lot of factors involved. Yeah. But conceivably, I'm I'm pretty sure you could do a um, what are those called that that uh, risk assessment people do like a co- oh, cost benefit analysis? Yeah. Versus say something like a power plant uh, is spewing out. Right. Right. How how much? Couldn't you compare that pretty easily? Yeah, I, I think, think so. Uh, and I wonder if if the the impact would be much less. Severe on an ocean environment than right above ground. Well, there's going to be an impact. You can't create electricity without some sort of impact on something in the environment. It's like making an omelet. So exactly, got to break a few eggs. So uh, I think the ideal is to find the the minimal impact with the maximum payoff. Uh, right now, it is not ocean uh, power because it's still heavily in the R and D phase, which means it's expensive. But as the kinks get worked out, like the the solar panels were, I mean, they're still expensive, but they were way more expensive 20 years ago because they didn't work right all the time and you had to put more money into making them work right. But once you get the kinks worked out, it becomes a little more efficient, a little cheaper, so maybe it'll it'll close that gap a bit. Yeah. My my money? And I think we should talk about why tides, tidal dams, barrages don't are have are problematic. Why was the problem? Because they kind of captured my attention. Like I was thinking, well, yeah, just build some hydroelectric electric dams at these 40 sites, and that'll help yeah. tremendously. Sure. Part of the problem is the whole point of um, tidal movement in a bay, or one of the benefits of it, uh, is to filter out impurities, silt, crud, yeah, dead crayfish, all that stuff. Yeah. Sucked out and you know turned into food or you know filtered into the rest of the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a dam there that's that's uh making that more difficult or preventing that in some cases the uh local environment around that bay suffers because the water purity plummets. Yeah. My money's on wave converter. Waves? Wave energy converters like Salter's duck. 
Plus, we found out that dams on the earth can potentially cause earthquakes. Yeah. Wonder, I mean, wonder if it could have an effect under the seafloor as well. Yeah. Learn the hard way sometimes. We definitely do. Yeah. Actually, that's the only way humans learn, Chuck. The hard way? Yeah. Okay. Agreed. Well, if you want to learn more about Salter's Duck, this mysterious thing I've just now mentioned, uh, I would recommend you type that in, S-A-L-T-E-R apostrophe S, in the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Also, required reading for this one is Wave Energy. Type that in. And Ocean Power. That'll just bring up everything right there. Read those three and uh, listen to this podcast and just start spewing out information whenever somebody's like, I love oil. Yeah. Or coal. Yeah. You know what we need to do a show on is mountaintop uh, removal, coal mining. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's tough stuff. Yeah. That makes releasing lubricants into the ocean through a, an OTEC system look like nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I said handy search bar already, right? Mm-hmm. Listener mail. Josh, I'm going to call this uh, one of... A hundred or more ocular migraine emails. I would say at least a hundred. We've heard from a lot of people who suffer from these, and we can't read them all. We're good now. (laughs) We've got the idea right. I want to say to everyone that I'm sorry you have to deal with this stuff, but uh, I picked out one from David in the UK because I like a UK. Did that email have a funny accent to it? It did. Hey, guys, just listen to the Migraine Podcast. I'm responding to your call. I was first diagnosed with migraines at 14. I'm now 47. Uh, when I had a, an extreme form of dizziness at 14, it made me nauseous, prevented me from standing uh, because the room was spinning, prevented my eyes from ma- remaining still. If I looked to the right, they jittered. Uh, I've not had a particular episode like this since, but the migraine symptoms have changed over the years. Uh, up to the early 20s, I would get tunnel vision. I could only see what was directly, what I was directly looking at, about 15% of my vision. Uh, the rest was all swirly. Imagine looking through a scene through two highly polished steel tubes. Uh, From then on, it was the opposite. The subject I was looking at would disappear, but the outer part was clear. Imagine looking at someone 20 feet away, but look directly at their face, their head disappeared. Peculiar thing, I think that's peculiar enough. (laughs) The peculiar thing is that it uh, didn't look odd until I thought about it, somewhat like a blind spot test. Yeah, blind spots are very... um Common with migraines, right? I think so. Well, sure, they're disconcerting. <laughs> that too. Uh, there's a very mild headache following an episode similar to eye strain and sometimes a feeling which I can only describe as an empty space in my head that feels as though it should have a sign saying, headache to be erected here soon. That's not a good sign. That's not. Uh, touch wood, guys. I have not had an episode in waking hours for about four years now and noticed no more morning symptoms, which I attribute to being on permanent statin medication for high cholesterol. You know, here in America, we don't touch wood. We, we knock. knock <laughs> so that's from David in the UK, and uh, for everyone suffering from ocular migraines, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, same here. Same here. It sounds awful. He talked about um, the, his eyes, when he looked to the right, his eyes trembling back and forth. Yeah. Do you remember that actor whose, whose eyes like went back and forth all the time? He was in... Uh, what's the one with John Cusack where there's a murderer, John Cusack, Ray Liotta? Say anything? No. Oh, the the hotel thing? Yeah. Yeah, that was awful. What was the name of the movie, though? Oh, uh, I can't remember. Well, he played the guy, like the bad guy in that one, uh-huh. right? But he was also in a movie with Mickey Rourke. And his eyes twitchy? 
Yeah, that's just like what the actor was known for. Like they just move back and forth in a really <laughs> weird way. So if you can tell me what movie that that guy appeared with, uh-huh. with Mickey Rourke, right? Yeah. I want to hear it. Oh, okay. Right? I think we should, oh, we can't do contests anymore, can we? You know, actors always list, have you ever seen a headshot? They always list on the back their special uh, things they can do. Yeah, this guy's got always like, like horseback riding, burp on command, accents. And this guy had eye twitch. <laughs> right. It's crazy. I can't believe you, you haven't seen it. Uh, I probably have. I just didn't notice it or something. Well, if you could tell me what movie he was in with Mickey Rourke, I want to hear it. Wrap it up in an email and send it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?